coming up on Man Enough. Speaking of what's happening in Iran, by the way, this is not happening because of women's leadership. Right. Right. This is not this is happening because of patriarchy. This is happening right. throughout society. All throughout the world, we see this happening. Iran is a cautionary tale of what happens when you start letting religion seep mm -hmm. into politics. And I go, if you don't think they're going to take away your rights, they already did. The right to choose. Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil. So maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. Hello and welcome to Man Enough. Hi, Liz. Hi, hey, Justin. Hey, Jamie. Doing? I'm good. Jamie's having a day over there. <laughs> I'm having a great day. I feel man. like you had like three coffees going on. I have had three coffees. Okay. We've got a lot going on here at the studio. How are you feeling? And you had a tough call earlier. You got a pit in your stomach? I do have a pit in my stomach. You know, it's interesting. I have a thing, and maybe it's, I don't want to say it's related to being a man, but um, I just, I want to be able to make everybody happy all the time. And I also want people to like me. And that didn't happen today. <laughs> No. <laughs> All that to say, uh, I'm super excited for this guest who has been silent the last minute and a half because we told him to pretend like <laughs> yeah. he's not here. I'm not here. Um, uh, Maz Boom. Jabrani. Hey, Justin, how are you? Man, oh, I'm man. so excited that you're here with I'm us. I'm happy to be here with you. And Jamie, I'm sorry about what the, what you did earlier to me, and I will forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody. I asked him if I could have some cookies, and he said that they don't have enough. So I, we, we did not. We actually had four, and we would not share the fourth one with It you. was really oh. a sad moment. I, I cried. He did. And then I saw him cry. And it was a really nice, wow. nice connection. Yeah. 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 All yeah. over cookies. Yeah. And I but, love that you brought your 11-year-old daughter. Who's yeah, outside doing some homework. Yeah, she's doing some homework. She's, uh, I picked her up from school and uh, en route. We said, let's go. It's great. They, you know, she's tagged along before. The one time I did a show, it was a podcast or a show, I forget what it was. My son was probably like four or five. Nobody knew how to handle a kid. And I was like, I'm going to be on air. Can somebody, and they were like, sh and they didn't, nobody really knew what to do. And at that <laughs> time he'd gotten good at busying himself with an iPad if you put a video in front of him. And for whatever reason, he's usually very focused on it. <laughs> he started, he stopped watching his iPad and then he was behind the cameras trying to get my attention. <laughs> while the host, and the funny thing was the host was not at all, like if if I'm, if yeah. you're on my show, I would have fun with that. Of I'd be course. like, oh, hey, look, your kid's trying to get a whole, yeah. like make it part of the whole thing. It's mm. kind of like that, what was the media, the, the social. viral guy. What's, no, what's the thing the new, you just told me about? The, the real? Oh, be real. Be real. Mm. It's a new social media app. It is so new, be yeah. real is like, be real. And so it mm. was just funny to me that we were in this situation and it wasn't like, it was like, I don't know, it wasn't like, uh, um, ABC News, where it was something. It was, it was a it was a show, like, and they were all like ignoring him, taking and, themselves away. And too he serious. was going yeah. like this and starting to cry, and I was oh. like, Shh. <laughs> so that's not gonna happen with Mila. We're so. all parents here. Oh, yeah, man. you could have been like the viral BBC dad. That was the, one of my top favorite comedic sketches of all time. The dad who was on BBC. Wait, that was a sketch about, that wasn't. No, real? it feels it was like the comedic timing oh, of that it. of that video yeah. and the mm. young girl, the like toddler that walks into the shop. He's just talking <laughs> as if she isn't in the background, just like wrecking havoc. And then the other kid shows up. It, it's, and then the wife pulls out and she pulls the door. It's hilarious. It's good yeah. comedy. It's just yeah. 
escalating. It's so funny. Uh, exactly. Speaking of comedy, can we yes. share about this brilliant man sitting uh, next yes. to me? Yes. Maz is an acclaimed Iranian-born American stand-up comedian, actor, author, podcast host, uh, who is a founding member of the mm. comedy group, The Axis of Evil. And he's done a bunch of films, Friday After Next, Dragonfly. He's most known for his Netflix and Showtime specials, and a specific one that's called I'm Not a Terrorist, But I've Played One on TV, which we definitely want to talk about. Um, he's also been in Superior Donuts in on, on Curb. He's in an episode of Curb, which I'm going to rewatch after this. Um, and we're so excited that you're here. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, listing stuff. It's always funny because um, Dragonfly is is a funny one because I literally I had. So the, Dragonfly was a movie with Kevin Costner um, and he played, I think he was like a yeah, it was a surgeon or something. And I literally had one line. It was oh. OD attempted suicide. That's it. That was my whole thing. Wow. And it was interesting because <laughs> seems like an important line though. It wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah. But the, the funny thing was um Tom Shadyak was the director. You guys know Tom Shadyak? Yeah, he did Tom, like I uh, am. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and didn't he do Ace Ventura? And, he was famous for all those movies. Yeah. yeah. So Kevin Costner's playing this uh, e emergency room doctor, surgeon, and uh there's been an accident like a pile up and there's, you know, 20 people come be uh, rushed into the hospital. It was choreographed and like, it took like a day and a half to, to shoot because there was like 20 people moving in this scene. And we kept doing it right up to my line, OD attempted suicide. We kept getting that angle and we finished that like after a day. But by now I've, I, sh I have the line because OD attempted suicide. And so, <laughs> so we did it. And for whatever, I don't know what happened. I come running down and he goes, what happened? I go, OD. And then one one thousand, two one thousand. I go attempted suicide. I for, I just forgot the line. And then back to places. Now where I'm ready to go again. I'm like, oh my god. Okay, I, I don't think anybody noticed. And then here comes Tom Shadyak walking down the hall. Great job. Keep doing it. Hey Kevin, fantastic. You extra number four. You guys are great. Did it? And he comes up to me. He goes, listen, let's just 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 do it. Like you don't have to. Just just. Just less. <laughs> I, was oh. like, I was like, oh, you noticed. Just say the line. Just say the line. Less. I was like, I didn't mean to. I just, I don't know what happened. Anyway, I feel like I, looked, I looked into Kevin Costner's eyes and I froze. Yeah. I did. I swear to God, that's I what think it was. That's probably what happened. Real quick, we got we to gotta ask you the first question we ask every single guest. Yes. All right. When was the last time that you didn't feel enough? Like I wasn't enough for something? <clears throat> like you just... Didn't feel enough. Didn't feel enough. You you had a lot of insecurity, self-doubt. Uh, you were struggling. You just didn't feel uh, enough. Uh, enough of a, a dad, enough of a man. It could be anything. You know, I try not to be too hard on myself, I'll be honest with you, just because I know that um, there's a lot of circumstances that cause everyone to act the way they do. Mm. Um, so, you know, gosh... You want to be heroic every time, but sometimes you just can't be. So I'm trying to think about it. Like, I mean, we've been going through this thing as an Iranian-American. There's been protests in Iran. Um, it started when the authorities, what's called the morality police, stopped this 22-year-old girl named Massa Amini in the streets. Her hair was out of her hijab a little bit. They arrested her, and then they beat her, and they beat her to death. And then they said that, oh, she just died of natural causes, um, which is total crap. And... Uh, and then this whole, these protests started and the protests got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now um, the whole diaspora outside of Iran has started to do protests and be out there and support the people of Iran. And I've been trying to do my best to do the same. 
And uh, and then, but the people of Iran really are the ones who are in the line of fire because the regime mm-hmm. is a uh, is very brutal. It's been forty three years. They've executed a lot of people. It's very totalitarian. I'm trying as much as I can to post about it. And the and the line we keep saying is amplify the voice of the Iranian people because it's not getting a lot of media coverage. It's getting some, but not a lot. And again, understandably so. We have our own problems in this country. There's just then there's Ukraine and Russia. There's a lot going on. But also in Iran, there's been a um the the they've they've closed the internet so a lot of things can't get out. So we really are actually the voice of the Iranian people. If you can get a clip and repost it, it's something. And I guess in a way, as much as I've been trying to vocalize that and be the voice and help spread that word you still don't don't feel enough. And because you go, how can I stop this from happening? And every once in a while, you get a sprinkle of hope. Like just the other day, um, President of France, uh, Macron, said uh, this is not just protest, it's a revolution, which it really is. Um, And that probably has come about because so many people have been screaming and screaming and screaming. I, I don't know. Yeah. So you do feel like you wish you could be Superman and go in there and do something, but mm-hmm. you really can't. And, you know, this is a podcast that's all about masculinity. It's all about gender. You know, we really reflect on relationships between men and women. And one of the things that I think that's so interesting about what's going on in you know Iran is that very often Iranian women are underestimated, right? People think, oh, these are the most oppressed women in the world. And, you know, they can't travel. They can't, you know, uh, get a divorce. They can't even, you know, they're not in control of their body and their finances. But these women are so powerful and and right like I mean it's it's not just women. It's it's teenage girls that are leading really this this revolution against a, a, a authoritarian regime. So can you speak to that dynamic? Um, and and as an Ar- Iranian man, you know, what can men do to support this movement in the best way possible? Well, I think it's beyond just women. I think it's a human thing, right? I mean, I, I as a human, even before I had a daughter, I always was always, you know, I was always moved by anyone who is being oppressed in any fashion. And so if you are open to that, um, then you show up. So if you're white, you can still go to a Black Lives Matter protest. If you're a man, you can still go to a, a woman's uh, Me Too protest. You can still show up because as a human being, I always try to encourage my kids to um, stand up for the underdog. And in that case, they're the underdog because they're the oppressed. And so what happened in Iran was in 79, when the revolution happened, the Shah of Iran before um before the Islamic regime took over, um, the Shah had been uh, a force of modernizing Iran. Um, He had his own issues uh, when it came to certain uh, human rights issues and stuff, but it was not even close to what we have here. So this revolution happens, the Shah leaves, Ayatollah Khomeini comes in, and under the pretense of religion, they go, oh, this is gonna be a utopia. But then they quickly start executing enemies from the previous regime. And then they go into a war where several million uh, people die and a lot of young Iranian lives were taken because it was this war with Iraq, eight years, I think, approximately. And then, but it just remains brutal. And one of the things that they did early on, <clears throat> there's a human rights lawyer named Shirin Abadi. She won the Nobel Peace Prize years ago. She said, the Islamic revolution wasn't an Islamic revolution as much as it was a revolution against women. Because mm-hmm. really what they did was as soon as they took power, they started taking away power from women. 
So they go, oh, women, you have to wear the hijab. Men, you wear whatever you want. But women, you have to wear the hijab. And then in courts, you only count as half the testimony as a man. And then mm. there's all these other things that women can't do. You can't go to stadiums to watch sporting events. There's a lot of stuff. And they oppress women. And one of the ways I was trying to get Americans to pay attention to what's going on is I said, Iran is a cautionary tale of what happens when you start letting religion seep mm -hmm. into politics. And I go, if you don't think they're gonna take away your rights, they already did, the right to choose. I'm not saying I'm pro or anti or whatever, I'm saying you don't have a choice anymore. They've taken away your right to choose the mm -hmm. same way they first went after women. And then after that, who do they go after? LGBTQ. Well, Clarence Thomas said, we're gonna review, basically, basically he said they're gonna review gay marriage. Um, and then who do they go after next? Religious minorities, again, Iran has been uh, persecuting this or uh, um, religious uh, this group. They're they're called Baha'is. So anyway, it goes on and on and on. You know, Jamie and I are both Baha'is. There you go, the Baha'is. So yeah. you know that. So in in Iran, the Baha'is are more persecuted than any other religion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that whether you're a man or a woman or whatever, or you know, American, I, I think what you have to do is recognize that this is a battle for democracy recognize mm. that i think what iranians have to do and i'm not you know i'm not a politician i don't know exactly but i think at some point iranians have to figure out a way to convince the west that a free iran is better for them than the iran that's there right now so as a world i think we need to put pressure and we need to find a way. I don't know. I really don't know what that solution is. Yeah. But I think to your point, um, I'm a journalist. And so I, I often see and hear, you know, valid concerns where people are like, the press isn't covering this enough. And what I always want to tell people is like, the press will cover it if you read it. Right. And, you know, obviously there there's uh, there's all kinds of journalistic, you know, integrity and ethics. Like there are certain things that just must be covered, but it will be covered more if you if you talk about it more. And so share those stories, read those stories, click on those links. And uh, to your point, amplifying Iranian voices does make a difference. And then, you know, who reads newspapers? politicians, uh, you know, who wants to be elected or, 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 you know, who elects politicians, the people who are reading the newspapers. So if you are consuming these stories, if you're sharing these stories, um, you're you're really actually sending a really powerful message. You have so much power as a consumer, as a citizen. And so um, it, it's one of those kind of rare cases where posting and tweeting kind of is uh, something that can make a difference. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. How does comedy play a role in this? How do you use comedy to affect change, specifically you? And then also a two-part question. How do you walk the tightrope of, um, well, of not getting canceled? I, I know comedy is in some ways been under attack. I know there are comedians that are very frustrated. Um, the idea of free speech but then, of course, what is free speech? It's funny until they're coming after you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then so, um, so I'm just curious how you approach it and how you're affecting change and how you're talking about the things that you care about and, and the, I don't know, the dance you're doing. Well, the, first of all, you, the, with comedy, you talk about the things you care about. So that's, that's how you talk about the things you care about because that's what you talk about. So if you're somebody who, you know, the, the whole thing of like, oh, I just broke up with my girlfriend, you know, you, usually that's coming from 
someone who's been dating somebody or what have you. So for me right now with the Iran stuff happening, I'm like, I got to come up with some stuff to talk about it on stage. Um, part of comedy is to, I think, inform people about certain things, you know, like um, you'll see it even uh, with, you know, whether you like them or not with Chappelle, like sometimes she'll talk about something that the audience might not have known as well. Um, and then he brings your attention to it and then hopefully has a punchline. And I think I, I, I heard DL Hughley say one time, comedy is like giving people their medicine, but in orange juice. And so really it starts from your intention. So I talk to the audience a lot. Where, what's your name? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. What's your situation? And I, but I try to also make sure they know that we're, I'm laughing with them, not at them. Mm -hmm. So I never want anyone to think like I'm some insult comic. You know, it's funny to me when sometimes someone will get nervous when I'm talking to them because they like think they need to give a funny answer. And I'm like, mm. just give the regular, just don't worry. I'm, this is, we're at a party right now. You're at my party. I respect you as my guest. We're gonna have a good time. And by the way, I'm gonna be self-deprecating a little bit to calm everybody, you know, everyone calm down. And let's, now let's just talk and have fun. And so I think if you can bring certain issues to the to the forefront that they might not have known about, the Iran situation is a, is actually a good one because part, uh, there's a lot of people within the Iranian community who don't want performers to perform. They say, you can't be performing right now because of what our people are going through. And my argument, as well as a lot of other performers' arguments, we mm. go, actually, I see it opposite. I see this as an opportunity for me to go on stage and encourage mm. people to talk about the issues, talk to my non-Iranian audience members and and tell them about the issues um, yeah, that seems like that seems logical. Yeah, but but unfortunately, our community is such that I mean, it's so the 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 atrocities that the young people are going through right now, getting shot at and killed and beaten, and the videos and the pictures that come out. Mm -hmm. I understand some people are going, "We're mourning," and how could you go laugh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I go, "Well, I see this like again, two things. One is a a, a good way to use my platform to keep encouraging everybody to be the voice of the people." of Iran. And secondly, it's it's a therapy session for all of us because we've all been immersed, or at least the ones that have been paying attention have been immersed in this. And so we go for an hour and a half or so and and we kind of like have a therapy session. And and in that therapy session, I talk about certain things. Like I like like a joke that I'm working on, but this came out of reality was, you know, the generation before, my parents' generation were always fearful of the Islamic regime. And so they would always say, don't talk about the government or don't talk about the Islamic regime because they'll come after you. And I'm like, who, who's coming? They will, they, and they're gonna come. I'm like, who are these people? And <laughs> so they got in our heads that like, and it was, and it's true. Like I, I know a lot of Iranian adults who would travel back and forth just to visit family and stuff. And there was times when they would be like, if there was a picture with men and women all in one picture, they'd be like, I, I don't wanna get in the picture because they're afraid they're gonna land at the oh, airport. Wow. Somehow this dude's picture is gonna end up on some database and they're gonna be like, oh, you were in a picture with a woman. You know, that's how, they, that's how paranoid they were. Well, this current generation is tough and they don't care, they're done. Like they're, they're taking off, the, you, you were saying, mm -hmm. there's videos of schoolgirls taking off their hijab and flipping off the Supreme Leader and Khomeini. Um, and so the joke, the joke comes about out of reality. This actually happened. So when the whole thing first, the, the protest first started, I did a, I did a video on my Instagram saying, I stand with the people of Iran. I, you know, give my support, this, that, the other. And I just posted on my Instagram, let it be. And then my aunt from the older generation, she called me and, uh, 
she left me this long, actually she left me a message on WhatsApp. What are you doing? Don't do this. These people are ruthless. They'll come after you. The game is bigger than you can think. Like there's governments have already decided who's going to be the, like just this long mm. thing. And I was like, oh my God, was she like, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, but she, scared, she got in my head. <laughs> and, I, and I happened to be in Europe touring and I was in Germany on this tour and I was in my hotel room and I guess I didn't put the do not disturb sign on because at seven in the morning, the maid comes Busting, oh. busting it, and in, I jumped out of. I thought it was them. I was like, <gasps> and I jumped oh. out. I'm like, I'm like, ah, and the lady's like, if you can, you can. I'm like, ah, and she's like, I'm cleaning. I go, get out of here. Like, but, but it was funny to me. I thought you were gonna look different. Okay, exactly. <laughs> and so, and so, it's turned into this bit where I tell the story on stage, and then I go into a little bit and go, look. I mean, I don't know, like, if they like. They, I go, I'm so low, I think, I'm so low on their, you know, wanted list. <laughs> I go, I'm probably like number 10,000. I go, I don't, like, I go, like, if they send somebody after me, it'd be like the intern, they'd be like, you have to go <laughs> to a comedy show and then get them. And then like, the guy shows up in New York City and he's like, I'm having a great time, whatever. <laughs> so it, you guys it's- become best friends. It's like a road trip movie. A road trip movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, Romantic so, comedy. you know, you, you talk about your experiences and you try to find the comedy. You, you never, in my mind, you never make a victim the punchline of a joke. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that brings some levity to the situation. It makes people laugh. And it also reminds people, definitely the Iranians in that crowd are nodding when I'm talking about the older generation. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also every time I have friends, uh, friends of mine, they're comedians, they go, yeah, you know, young people are too woke and this and that. I go, listen, again, like I did, I did a show for, um, th it was incoming freshmen at uh, Cal. I went to Cal, so they've asked me to come back. And every year I get older, and they they're still sixteen or seventeen, and they give you free swag. They give me free. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I get paid with. And so uh, <laughs> I wish I were lying, but I'm not. Um, and then um, and then this past year it was interesting because um, this this Indian Sikh kid kind of started heckling me, and I was like. I, was, I had a hard time like saying too much back because I didn't want to offend anybody. And I was like, and I forget what happened because he was heckling me. And then there was this other Asian kid who saw him. He's like, hey, whatever, Mike. And then they started talking to each other. And I made some comment like, my God, this is getting nerdier by the minute or something <laughs> like that. And it was funny because these were all these young, smart, nerdy kids. And I think they all kind of looked at me like, did you, did you just call us nerds? And I was mm. like, and I was like Am I gonna get in trouble for calling these kids nerds? But I, but I, but Not I was, me. I was having fun with them. But at the same time, you know, mm. you you learn, you take a step. You know, like I personally don't want to have any audience that's that's homogenous. I like having a diverse audience. But I also like whenever my friends go, oh, they canceling, canceling. I go, look, the right was canceling people way before anybody on the left started canceling. And I said, I can tell you as somebody who was doing Trump jokes during Trump that I got yelled at. When I got to the Trump jokes, there's actually a, a clip I put on YouTube of this lady. She was drunk. She was with me for 55 minutes. The last five minutes when I started talking about Trump, and I didn't even say anything too harsh. I was just talking about like how he kept tweeting all the time. And I was like, it's, I go, it's like, I go, it's ridiculous. I'm like, I can't, you know, keep up. And it's like a game of Tetris and it just keeps coming. And it's like, <laughs> you know one block is like bullshit and then a lie and then this. so i got into that a little bit and then she was drunk she's like i am offended and and um and and i learned to kind of just you know kind of tai chi it all i was like wow mm. it's so great we live in a country where you can be offended great people have tried to cancel people all the time because the problem is if you have a voice the people watching you 
or reading you or seeing you feel like they should be able to say something. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, they used to have to write you a letter and then yeah. you read it. Right now, they just go under your post and be like, "I saw you it's at the easy. Chuckle Hut, and yeah. you said yeah. that people who eat M and M's yeah. are, you yeah. know, whatever." You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. Just out of curiosity, being someone that was raised as a Baha'i, as you mentioned, I have a lot of family and friends dear to my heart that are Persian, that are from Iran, that fled Iran during the revolution in '79. Grew up their cousins and family, and you know, um, very close to it. And I have felt uh, the pain of a community that oftentimes is forgotten, not thought about. Since the 9-11 events, someone that looked like you oftentimes was just appeared and labeled to be a terrorist. I, I mean, there, it just was everywhere. If you were Muslim, then that was bad. Um, if you looked like you or anyone that may have come from a neighboring place. Um, there was so much fear around it. Um, and these were my brothers and sisters that were experiencing this and the hatred and the pain. And then the women, what was happening there that's been going on. A lot of people just don't pay attention to it. Listen, I don't so blame I people. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't blame people because I know I, every country's got its own problems. People have their own, people got their lives going on. You can't just you know, pay attention to everything. But I was actually on a flight, Dudamel, uh, L.A. Symphony Orchestra. He's um, he's Venezuelan, and there's a, there was a documentary about him. And the documentary was about this group of Venezuelan uh, musicians, young musicians that he would go back and work with. And there was this great program for young Venezuelan musicians to grow. And in the documentary, it talks about how when he's going back to do some event, there's major protests in Venezuela, and then people are asking him to speak up, and he doesn't know if he should because this or, this this organization that he works with is actually funded by the government, and up until then, he'd been a hero for the, I mean, the government had accepted him, he'd, he'd been non-political, but then he finally realized he's gotta say something, mm. so he writes this op-ed piece in the New York Times, and then the government um, defunds his program, and it's just it's heartbreaking. But I go, wow, where was I when all this was happening? Why didn't I? Why didn't I hear about this? Mm -hmm. he, this huge, you know, mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of people protesting in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Because again, we're all busy, we're running around. But I was like, wow, if, if I if I hear of it again, I'm going to try and go to the protests. Like I'm going to try and be there. Yeah. Um, well, this is why it's important, and the reason why I brought that up before was that by bringing this to our attention. Um, and when I say ours, maybe America, that we realize that it, this, in fact, is our backyard. Um, it may not look exactly as it looks in Iran, but it's happening right here in different ways. And and then it makes me think, what am I doing personally? Mm -hmm. yeah. Just as me, as Jamie, as I walk through the world with the um, opportunities I have, with the privilege that I have as being a man. Yeah. Um, what am I doing tangibly that can make it look different for the neighboring countries, and then therefore my own country. Yeah. Which then leads me to want to ask a question that what do you feel based on all this? And thank you for sharing all that so wonderfully. And I think our audience uh, um, gleaned a lot from it. Um, what do you think is important for us here and how we live? And I don't necessarily mean like in showing up for um, rallies and things of that nature, just in our own personal lives as men, how we can behave differently so that things like that can look different. Well, I think, again, it goes back to, <clears throat> I, I take it beyond just a male-female thing. I think, I think there's sympathy and empathy, and there's, and there's um, 
you know, if you can stand up for any person or anything that's, you know, that, that is being bullied or oppressed or whatever, you try to do that, right? So, you know, we- if, But isn't that a little broad though? And I appreciate that. But when we say like, because this is kind of a blanket statement, we should always be for good. Um, stand up for all people that are oppressed. Yes. But with that, sometimes there are things that we identify and this is where I put particular energy in. And as a man, I have opportunity that's different than Liz. Um, as somebody white, he has opportunity that's different than someone who's black that should stand up for all people, right? So there's certain things. And being that the show and what we like to talk about is how to reframe what masculinity looks like, at what how men can be even better. And that's why I specifically frame it around that is how can you, myself, uh, be different what things do we have that have impact specifically to the privilege that we have as men? Well, again, I, I go beyond a man and I think humanity. I just I just keep getting back to that. I mean, I mean, it's as simple, it's as simple as this. Like I realize I travel a lot as a comedian. And uh, and you know, when you're traveling, everyone's got their head down and they're trying to get be the first on the train, first on the this and that. And and I and I realized, wow, everyone's on edge these days. I kept seeing these videos of people fighting on airplanes. I'm going, what's going on? And uh, I said, you know, what? I'm going to go out of my way to just be, you know, cordial and oh, after you, go ahead. Nope, nope, you know, just that kind of like I, I naturally was like that before, but I was going to go above and beyond. And it's a simple thing, but if I get a chance to, you know, oh, whether it's again, it's a guy or girl, I don't care. Somebody needs help putting the luggage up. Let me help you out to be supportive. You know. Um, I don't know. These but are Bob, all. Let me, let me challenge you just a little bit. Challenge me. I'm sorry. <laughs> because, yes, but let me put the and in there as well. Go ahead. Of course, this is how we should live as humans. and But we, a lot of people do that. Yeah. And we're seeing all kinds of ills throughout society. Right. It's not enough just to do that. It's right. not enough to just help someone lift their luggage up and put it on this stuff and to say thank you and to be nice and all that stuff. It's just not enough. Okay. We have to do more. We have to sometimes say, here's a specific need. This part of the body has got to cut. And I specifically need to address that mm -hmm. in the unique way that I know how. And men in this country, throughout the world, and speaking of what's happening in Iran, by the way, this is not happening because of women's leadership. Right. Right. This is not, this is happening because of patriarchy. This is happening right. throughout society, all throughout the world, we see this happening. Right. So we as men then have to change the fabric of our, of our world by how we deliberately make choices. That can, like, even if it's raising your daughter and your son to think differently so that in the next 10, 20, 30 years, they have impact on their friends, their friends, Iranian friends that then take it back home. And then our world starts looking different. Mm -hmm. But we have to be deliberate more than just, let me help you with your bags, right? So we have to have conversations. We have to have men maybe um, learn to have more empathy so that we care about someone else besides ourselves to actually value women in ways because clearly they don't value women uh, or not Iranian people, but the government there don't. How do we do things that extend our thought and our process so that the world can see women differently? And it can't just be because you're being nice to someone lifting up their bag. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that doing that, because that's, if you carry yourself that way, I've been in, I've been in situations where I have friends who might still think in an old school way, like you just said, like they might still think like men are like this, women are this, you know, and, and that's it. And I kind of like laugh when they're, 
talking because I'm kind of like I'm like what what are you are you stuck in 1995? Where are you stuck in? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I was actually with a friend of mine recently. This isn't a man woman thing, but he was again. This guy's around my age, educated, everything. We came upon a group of younger college student aged. Uh, it was in Boston. I was doing a show, so there's there's college students who who were gonna come to my show and they, they were like probably in their early 20s, late teens. I don't know their sexual preferences. I don't know what they were, but they were just very, they seemed very um, young and with it. You know what I'm saying? Like they were they were kind of what you're saying, that future where men and women support each other. And there's just a group of people having a good time. And this guy, he, he didn't mean anything, but he was just like, it just turns out that that this other guy that we know had just bought this bar. He's a restaurateur. And the bar had been known as a gay bar, and now this guy had bought this bar and was trying to make it wider. And so this guy was trying to tell these young people about it. And he's like, "Yeah," he goes, uh, "He goes, you guys, uh, you guys should go check out that bar. You know, my friend bought it. It, it used to be a gay bar, and now." And the way he said it, I was like, "What's wrong with you? Like, like this, this, this group you're talking to." Could be LGBTQ, and even if they're not, like the way you're saying it, it makes it seem like there's something derogatory to it. So that, as a man, that person, in my opinion, needs to grow and be like, "Oh, I'm in 2022. I can't talk and think the way men did 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago." And sometimes the stupidity of it, like again, Iran's a good example of they have had such a brain drain. Because somebody was pointing out, if you look at Iranians, especially in Southern California, it's a big population, and they're all very successful. And I was talking to this lady um, who was this uh, Jewish lady. We were on a plane together and just having a conversation. And she goes, gosh, there's so many doctors and all this other stuff. Iran." She goes, imagine if they'd stayed in Iran and what impact they could have had. And this is men and women doctors. And I go, you're right. Like They all left because that country was oppressive to them. Mm. Um, so similarly, like I guess if you were if you were to talk to somebody who f- who still has old still is thinking old school, the idea of like you know how much more advanced you would be just as an individual and as a society if you embraced the fact that women are that's half the population, if not more, I just don't see a difference. I really don't. Like maybe I was we all grew up like okay, you like cars and you like dolls and this and that, but I go, who cares? Like, whatever. Yeah, but, the, but there is a difference, right? Like, uh, you know, what's happening in, in, in Iran is, is you know, to Jamie's point, different from what's happening in the U.S., but there's also so many similarities, right? Um, currently in many states, uh, women uh, and girls are, are are forced to carry a pregnancy, forced to become mothers when they don't want to. Um, there's people on, t- on television, on a propaganda network, telling women to get married, um, you know, because it makes them vote in a certain way. And right, like you you, you, you could think that those stories are, are, are coming from Tehran or, or they're coming from Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, and so and so when we and, and, and so and so I actually disagree with you, Jamie, that I think that what you do here does end up impacting uh, men and women in Iran, right? Like I there's agree. so I much. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 even by changing the way that that men uh, respond and react to men who make homophobic comments or male lawmakers who are trying to force uh, girls to be pregnant with you know uh, rapist babies at ten years old, like that actually challenges a 
culture, which then will make <laughs> what's happening in, in, in Iran less likely. It starts with sometimes I, I feel like men are in the way that like white people are kind of bribed into becoming more racist by elites dangling certain things for them. Right. And saying tapping into their insecurities and saying, you know, you're like particularly poor white people, I think, in the United States um, are, 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 are told that all their problems are going to be solved um, with policies that actually are, are so against their own interests. But because racism is, is, is used, it like makes them think that things are going to get better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we do that like men that it's like there's a similar thing with men. And so men kind of buy into the patriarchy and buy into sexism when it's those little things. And then it grows and grows and then you realize you're, you know, in a fascist regime. And so I wonder if there are ways that we can, first of all, really, for, for people who are listening, like you calling out a guy doing, making a homophobic comment does make a difference. Sure. Like that, that's, that makes a big difference. Um, and it's brave as shit. Yeah. 100%. And it's masculine as shit, if you ask me. <laughs> but, right, like, and so I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering... Yeah, I'm with you on humanity and, you know, we should just all be nice to each other. But let's be honest, like there are power structures in our society. No, absolutely. There's power structures here. There's, like you said, I mean, that's part of what I try to talk about is I try to say we like my country of birth is your future. If you Mm. if you if you elect Herschel Walker's. (laughs) You're going to end up with the future because when you listen to I mean, and, and it has nothing to do with, you know, his lack of uh, uh, um, um, mental prowess mental prowess but also like his lack of uh, uh, qualifications but it has to do with every third word is about you know Jesus said this Jesus said that the Lord and, and again I'm, I don't want to I'm not against religion if, if religion whatever your religion is great but if you are making policies based on your religion, and we just saw it again what you just said the abortion issue and then also these people in these country in these states, um, who feel that certain things should be certain ways because it's a book that was written a thousand years ago says so. I go, I've uh, two thousand years. Mm-hmm. I go, I've I've seen this before. This is mm. like a this is I've seen this movie before. Okay. And then nineteen seventy nine, I saw this movie where mm. they came in and they said, oh, the book says this, 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 and this, and this guy Khomeini who happens to be uh, some guy who's got a line to God. No, he's just a guy who memorized the Quran really well. He's a crazy old dude who says, like, oh, I, I got to figure it out. This is what you should do. Women need to do it because the Quran told me. It's crazy. The hypocrisy, this whole thing of, like, you see, like, guys like Matt Gates or, or, or Tucker Carlson or some of these guys going, like, men aren't men, aren't men anymore. What do you, what do you talk, what is a man? What do you want me to, like, what am I supposed to do to prove that I'm a, like, what do you want? What do you want? Like, and by the way, I think an evolved man is somebody who goes, I don't have to shoot a you know deer to be a man. You know, maybe maybe I'm gonna take ballet lessons. Oh yeah, I think I'll be fantastic, mm-hmm. right? So that's you know, I th- here's the thing. I think no matter how we look at it, at least in the West, part of why the far right is so um, passionate right now is because they see in front of their eyes things are changing. Yeah, whether you like it or not, they're changing. I. I, I'm trying to be on board with my kids, but they're way ahead of me. So I tell, like, some, this is a big thing in comedy. A lot of comedians go, man, they, they canceled me or, you know, you know, whatever. I go, okay, first of all, why do you think they can't? What did you say that got you canceled? Let's look at that. 
And then let's look at the fact that maybe, you know, 20 years ago that was okay to say, but the world we're living in now, it just isn't. And maybe you should write new jokes and maybe you should evolve so that when you do perform, because we're getting older, right? So you don't want to be 80 years old and doing stand-up and have mm -hmm. only five 80-year-olds left watching you. You want to be able to do like, you know, Carlin's probably a good yeah, example. Say, As George he got Carlin. older, yeah. he still had younger fans. Yeah. Like, I love having younger fans show up at shows. And then sometimes I'm watching them to be like, are they getting this? Are yeah. they bored? Am I the old guy? And and I'm hoping that they're getting it. And I'm hoping that I'm not the old guy. Um, but we have to evolve. And, and it's happening, whether we mm -hmm. like it or not. Um, do you feel like there's a generational difference between younger men and, 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 and your generation? Like, are you sensing that shift even with your son? Like what are the differences? Absolutely. I mean, listen, again, I, I personally have been someone who's very, I try to be very open-minded and just go with the flow with with, within my own friends. Like I said, that guy who was making homophobic comments and not even realizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have friends that will say stuff that's just, again, it makes you... I feel old when they say it. Going, <laughs> right. oh. You're I'm making like, me look yeah, I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. really going to say, you know, something that like in the 90s was, like, yeah. are you not, are you not aware of what's happening? Mm -hmm. right. And, and with my, with my kids, I mean, they, they, my kids and a lot of kids I see, at least around us are, they give me hope for the future. You know, meanwhile, I do, you know, my kids have run into also uh, bullying from kids who were, you know, whether it was racial related, because my, my, my wife is Indian, so my kids have darker skin. They've had racial slurs thrown at them. So that's out there. There's kids that are being brought up another mm -hmm. way. It breaks my heart for those kids. Yeah. And I really want to just like talk to the parents and go, what, what are you thinking? Like, mm -hmm. why, why are you teaching this? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's heartbreaking. Again, I think as individuals, we do our best on one-on-one -on -one relationships, or we do our best when we can, if you have if you have the potential, like when, for example, when it was interesting, when um, <clears throat> Roe v. Wade was overturned, I, I did some video saying, you know, I support women and their woman's right to choose. And I just felt like I have to do it. Not that I'm, I'm you know, I'm nobody in this game. I'm not like, oh, I'm <laughs> gonna be, you know, taking this to the Supreme Court. No, I just felt like on my social media, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna state where I stand. And it was interesting because I ran into two or three different uh, female comedians who were like, thank you for making that video. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, isn't everybody? Mm -mm. And I guess they're not. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a bummer. Because mm -hmm. I think we should. Why do you think uh, uh, not more men took a stand? I don't know. Maybe time. some maybe some men actually uh, don't believe in it. I don't know. Or, or maybe they couldn't be bothered by it. I don't know. They don't know how to say it. Or, you know, again, coming back to our conversation, they don't connect it to their own freedom. I think that's, I think that actually happened. I think what's happening again to, to very grossly generalize, yeah. I think what's happening in Iran and what's happening in the U.S. is, is there's a similarity there where women are leading the charge when it comes to fighting for abortion rights. But a lot of men are realizing like, this ain't just about her. This is about me too. And this is about if they take, to your point, you know, if they take her freedom, my freedom is next. And so, um, and 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 do, do you see that kind of shift or do you guys not even talk about I, this? Gosh, I don't know. I know that like some people in, in analyzing the election results, they said that the, that abortion had something to do with it. And again, I, I feel like the, the thing that I think we all hear a lot on social media and and on all these you know talking head networks is we hear the loud um 
hypocrites. We hear the, you know, we hear the Jim Jordans and the Ted Cruz's and the, and the Josh Hawley's and the guys who are like, what, what, what's wrong with this person? The, the uh, Ron Johnson's, you know, how do you, how do you watch January 6th and go, it was uh, it was peaceful tourists. Like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, how do you, what do you, you know? So we hear them, but then when you see a result like we did in this, what was supposed to be a red wave, but wasn't, you go, oh, there's still enough uh, people who catch the BS and there's probably more of those people and we just got to work harder and harder because they are trying to find ways to uh, to, to game the system. Mm-hmm. So that, And they did. It took them 40, whatever it was, years to get rid of abortion. And so they really reached that goal. Yeah. And how they do that? They got the Supreme Court justices that they, need, that they needed and they did it. And so it doesn't mean we we sit back and go, well, our numbers are more, so let's go ahead and sit back. We'll just win every time we vote. No, they're trying to get rid of your vote. And again, that can go back to, again, you're right, Iran is a cautionary tale because I would say majority of Iranians in Iran don't want their leadership, but that's what they have. There's a reason why the Iranian government is shooting into crowds of protesters because they want the protesters to stop. So they're desperate. And they're doing that. And I'm not encouraging anybody to go out and get themselves killed, but I'm saying if you analyze it, that's what's going on. And that's Mm -hmm. the same reason why they're running circles around themselves, trying to take away voting rights, running circles around themselves, trying to shut women up. When I see anybody who's part of a group that's being oppressed and they stand with the other side, I go, what? Wake up. You know, you just want lo- how how badly do you want less taxes? I don't want I don't want more taxes. <laughs> That's right. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. I do have just sorry. Give me short answers, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm just curious. Yes. How would you rate yourself, honest here? Rate myself as a father between one and ten. Oh gosh, as a dad, I'm gonna give myself a ten. Ten, maybe nine. Okay, nine. Because I'm not around as I travel a lot, but, so then, but when well, I'm around, I'm a good dad. So yeah, that was my follow up question was going to be. But you know what? Give, I give an eight because right, eight. because there's these dads that go like do like um, paintball and all that stuff. I'm I'm a little too lazy for that. So but, then you're yeah. so you give yourself an eight, yeah. and then quickly, yeah. um, something concrete that you yeah. could be what you could do to be a nine. Go play paintball with <laughs> the kids. <laughs> so you answer, how about rate yourself as a husband, one to ten? I'm going to say like seven-ish. <laughs> okay, what can you do to be an eight? I, I could probably be a little more um, like romantic and attentive. And I just, I'm tired a lot, you yeah. know? But at the same time, I want to do romantic stuff. And I, and there, and I, once in a while I do it. Um, but then again, like I said, I get into this rut sometimes. Like I go, it goes through waves. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm good. And then sometimes I'm just too Got lazy. It. Okay, so being a little more romantic and and just a little more attentive, attentive, Attent- attentive. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then to uh, many to many women, attentive is exactly. romance, not tentative. Attentive, And I would say, but I like how you keep reframing it. Uh, where would you rate yourself as a human? I'm a good human. I mean, I one think one to ten. I, I, you know, I personally, people tell me I'm nice all the time, so I'm going to give myself a. 8.5. What can you do to be a, to be a 9.5? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, what can I be? A, I'm going to give myself a 9. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> there's a lot of assholes what, out there. What can I, you do to be a, a 10? Well, what I can do to be a 10 is probably, gosh, I got I'm trying. I Honestly, I, I listen to a lot of friends. I'm always there to talk to people. 
Um, These are all listening while you're in. I pick up. I pick up. Uh, no, I'm trying to figure out. I pick up trash if, if there's if there's trash out and about. Uh, take the dog for a walk. Good. Uh, what could make me a ten? Maybe if I learned to play an instrument and brought peace and heart, peace to people's lives. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I actually have a friend. There's a comedian, Dom Herrera, whom I love. And he was telling me he's, he's the nicest guy too, and he's somebody I looked up to when I first started, and he's still a great guy. And he was he's he he left me a message. He's like, did I ever tell you I was talking to so and so? We were saying who's one of the nicest comedians, and it was we we said it's you. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. And I was like, wait a minute, not the funniest. Uh -huh. So you know, which then leads us to. Um, a question that we like to ask people when we're wrapping up. Liz, I, I think right. this is appropriate It's on me. Yeah. Okay. What does it mean uh, to you to be man enough? What does it mean to me to be man enough? I just think you need to, uh, I hope, uh, to, to step up, um, especially when you're needed by friends, by loved ones, by people you don't know. And it could be as small as helping people with their suitcase on something, or it mm -hmm. could be... Uh, a friend of yours is going through some difficult times and just needs someone to be with. And, you know, I think I think that's, quote unquote, man enough. But again, if we want to really break stereotypes, I should be human enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Right? That's just man enough. <laughs> that's, why I yeah. call, that's why I called my uh, book that's out, Boys Will Be Human. Yeah. There you go. Boys Will Be Boys. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Maz, uh, you are man and human enough. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank you. And we'll have to have you back because there's so yeah. much we didn't get there's into. so much. Thank you. Thank you, uh, you so, so much. much. Yeah. But thank you so much for helping raise awareness and for inspiring us to use our voices and for talking about what's happening in Iran. And so important. Especially mm -hmm. as Baha'is, what I loved is you brought up the plight and the struggle of the persecution of Baha'is without even knowing that me and Jamie were Baha'is. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that was really, really mm -hmm. like, it spoke to who you are because we need, because we've been trying to get people to talk about what's happening to the Baha'is for years. Yeah. And without even knowing that, you brought that up, it meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. You know, Baha'is, some of my best friends are Baha'is and I love them. And and I, again, I I think we all got to stand together. There was a, That's right. <clears throat> there's a famous uh, Persian poet, his name's Sadi. And he has this poem that's all about how we're all. He it's it's he does this analogy of the human body and the world, and he talks yeah. about how like if if you have one part of your body hurting um, and you don't feel it, then like then you're not human. Meaning like if one person is hurting on the other side of the world, mm -hmm. we should have sympathy and 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 that's uh, right. And feel it so mm -hmm. yeah. just like the human yeah. body yeah. we love it we do uh for all of you listening uh thank you so much for joining us you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts or you can go to manenough.com slash podcast until next time i'm justin baldoni i'm liz plank and i'm jamie Heath. this is man, man enough. enough thank you for listening to the man enough podcast produced by wayfair studios and presented by procter and gamble in partnership with Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.